which is not of you. And there is life birth in those places tonight. Everlasting life. Eternal life. Lord, I just thank you that you, you quiet the things of today. You empower us to, to focus in. You empower us to, to grab what you have to give us tonight. And that that place of overwhelming is, is a place of refreshment and a place of nourishment. Partakers at your table, Father. Feasting and enjoying. Feasting and enjoying. Feasting and enjoying. Feasting and enjoying. Amen? Amen. Welcome. Good evening. Hey, we're glad that you're here. I so appreciate this worship team coming and, and, and leading us this evening. Don't you appreciate them? I appreciate them. We say hi to all you, you folks online. I, I will just encourage you. I didn't say this last night, but I, I do encourage you to uh, quiet your cell phones, however that is for you. When mine's on, on that shake mode, it, it's as loud as a ring, so... I will just remind you, if you've not been with us uh, at a conference or even last night, uh, I will ask you to hold your questions. We'll have a, have a break point, and um, we will we'll, uh, handle questions then. Um, and I just encourage you while you're in the, in the parking lot to be safe. I heard everyone was safe last night. So if I didn't release the children, they, they, can, they can go. Um, I will just remind you that we'll be here again tomorrow night at 6.30. Saturday is 9 a.m., and then we'll come back at 2 p.m., um, and uh, we will be talking about, some of you asked last night, gosh, some of the things that were said, all my buttons were pushed, or there was revelation there, and um, we're going to be talking at the break. If, if you want to sit down with someone and have some prayer ministry, um, we're going to be talking about that at, at the break, so just in, encourage you um, for that, and I know that for folks that are that are online um, if you're gathered in, in one of the two or three places where there's trained people, then you could ask them. Look. Well, good evening. Um, you know, when sisters like many uh, who spend our Decades walking with Jesus, it's uh, feel like you caught in a catch twenty two. Because I uh, I could just about you know this afternoon when they uh, she did die uh, at at one period of time, you know, and she if she saw Dick, that's her husband who had went on with Jesus a number of years, she's going to be upset when she comes out of this. I remember one time a lady who told me, talked to me, and, you know, I, and she told me, you know, she knew my propensity if somebody died to, to start praying on them that God would raise them up. She looked at me and she said, Rick, if I die and I go to be with Jesus and you pray over me to bring me out back, I'm going to get you, boy. 
Because if I'm with Jesus, you leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So what are you bringing me here for? You know? It's like, because uh, I know that, you know, if ever, something ever happened to me, I'm going, y'all, dude, I'm partying. <laughs> you know, I'm in heaven. And that is so cool. But, uh, but you know, and I just, uh, I know that a lot of many's life is about seeing people set free. And that's why I like that what we do is just minister and speak the gospel of Jesus Christ to see people set free. And that's what this is about. Last night we introduced in strongholds and we set a framework for how they, what they do and how they affect us. We talked about um, why we need to understand about strongholds. And remember, we defined a stronghold as that which blocks us off from God's presence, provisions, or truth. And tonight, starting off tonight like we did last night, I just want us to, to have, a, have a brother share a testimony. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, um, Got these Brinkley boys here. And I just asked Brandon to, to share. Brandon was kidding around today in intern class. He helps out with the interns. And he, uh, he was speaking away. And he says, man, all the, all the strongholds, dude, I've had them. And he, and he was kidding around with him. He's sort of like Brandon's the poster child for strongholds, you know. And I mean, as far as, you know, the types. And, uh, and he's got all some testimonies of them. So Brandon, come here and share some things that, which we'll use a little bit as we go on. Um, all right, well, Rick was asking me about um, to share. Like, when I got saved, I, um, like, I got saved down at Living Waters and came up here right away. And, um, like, before I got saved, I had a, um, I was in a relationship for, like, two years, I think, a little over two years, and she died in a car wreck. Um, and at that point, like, there was just this huge thing that hit of, like, this hopelessness. Um, and so then that hopelessness, like, you know, I just turned into the world. I mean, I was already in the world, but it just like turned into like some, some crazy drug days and some crazy, just long nights, just numbing pain. And, um, well, I mean, without knowing it, there was just these, these strongholds that have been developed. Um, so it was like, I got saved and I came up here and started the, the internship. And I mean, like right away, you know, it was just, everything's being exposed. I had no idea what we were talking about, but there was just, there was just things going on inside. And I mean, I didn't know what was going on and we just, we started just working through these things, and there was just this, um, I mean, I guess one of the big ones was just the fact of, like, like the death itself. Like, there's just, a, there's just, I mean, one of the types that Rick's going to talk about is just this traumatic event that occur that just, like, where the enemy just uses the things, he uses the events to, to attach things to you. I mean, it just felt like, I remember one specific time, we were sitting over in Blacksburg, we got some coffee, and we are just sitting down up on um, that little place they called Hippie Hill, and we're just sitting there, and, like, all of a sudden, we were just talking about the way that people smell. You can just smell people. And I just literally smelled the girl that I, that I had been dating for some. I could literally smell her in front of me. And um, it was like everywhere that I turned, I could smell it. And I couldn't shake it. I couldn't get away from it. Um, and there was just this reality of, of that there was just something manifesting through the legal right of that traumatic event to where it was like I couldn't get away. And, like, I mean, I had dreams for a long time where, like, she'd be trapped in a car and I couldn't get her out. And, like, the car's, like, like, she's like, you know, the car's on fire and dying and things. And um, so, I mean, there, there was just a lot of things at that time. And then, and then the way that, like, the, why, the way I responded to it, like, by turning into the world and, like, turning to things that were numbing the, plain, the, the pain, those were just another reality of a stronghold. Like, there was just other things that were attached. So it was like, instead of doing this thing in the right way and, like, like dealing with it, I was just adding on to it, you know. It was just building and it was building, it was building. And there was just so many layers 
to um to really just pray through like once once I found Jesus really and um and I guess like the cool thing like the the thing that happened like with that is um just the way that God redeemed everything I mean like I, I mean I got married in September and you know there was a point in time like after her death like I, I never thought I'd get married like it was just like I kind of gave up on it. it was just like you know I'll never be happy and all this and that and I mean then and then I got married and it's just you know just total redemption and it wasn't an overnight thing it was you know it was a process but just the fact that it was redeemed, and I mean, it, it was better than it was then. Um, so I guess it's just kind of, kind of just that you know, like that God will walk through these things, like He will reveal it. You can, you'll be able to walk through it. But there's also a fact He's going to come back and just redeem everything that was lost and just bring everything back. I mean, it's going to be better than it was before. Is that about it? Yeah, that's good, brother. Good preaching, Brandon. Um, in fact, that's where Brandon's left off. That's where we're going to pick up. And if we're going on, in your notes, we'll be on page 15 starting off. And there's a couple of things that we need to ask in relationship to strongholds. We'll just get them in a few minutes. Thank you, John. That uh, when can a stronghold affect you is only the term I, I'm using here. And because uh, one of the misconceptions about salvation is, is that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you come in, that, okay, everything's completely wiped out. Well, the reality is, if you'll notice in this passage in chapter, John, I mean, Acts chapter 8, in relationship to Simon, who was a sorcerer. Now, I want to notice that, notice that verse 13, where Philip goes and he's preaching the gospel. And, and people are being saved. And there's this one guy named Simon, where it says here in verse 13, that even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. Now, when the Word of God tells us that um, that a person believes and is baptized, what? We take the reality as they're what? Saved. In fact, we can take that passage and correlate it to Ephesians 1.13. And it tells us after listening to the message of the gospel of our salvation, having also believed, we're sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So it's the word of God tells us that Simon believed this guy is saved. Now, the interesting thing is, as it comes on a little later, as Peter and John come down and start laying hands on people that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that... Simon sees this, and let's notice in verse 18, and we see it in your notes, it says, When Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed on him through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, <coughs> excuse me, saying, Give me this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what we did not cover at the first part of this chapter was what Simon would do is, is that before he got saved, he was practicing sorcery, and what he was, he was doing this to claiming to be someone great. He had this thing about being money, making, making money. And, but there was this place that he just wanted to be great, and he was using um, sorcery to do it. And then we're, all of a sudden, he's asking money, I mean, give money to receive this authority to lay hands on people, and they'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you. Because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter. Now notice what he says. For your heart is not right before God. Now we'll visit that a little later. And that's a very significant statement. But therefore repent of this wickedness of yours 
and pray that the Lord, if possible, that the attention of your heart may be forgiven. Now, he's going to tell us two types of strongholds right here. For I see that you're in a gall of bitterness and a bondage of iniquity. The bondage of iniquity was practicing sorcery. Most likely, the gall of bitterness would have been something like that when he was little, that he was constantly put down. And in that place that he held on to bitterness and seeing the people and those around him who had wronged him, not in the grace of God, but holding on to this bitterness, and here's this bondage. And Peter just nails him, these particular areas in his heart. But the important thing that I want you to note in this is that he's saved, and the things that were on him prior to salvation he had to deal with later. Just like Brandon told you that when we were down in Living Waters, he comes in there and he accepts Jesus as his Lord and Savior. But salvation was, was the beginning point for Brandon, not the end of dealing things. It's like when the, the children of Israel came over the Jordan River and they came into the Promised Land. It was not the end of fighting. It was the beginning of fighting. Jericho, I, and the other, other the Malachites and all the ites that were in the land. And the misconception is, and so when, like Brandon, I remember with Brandon, one he didn't mention was, is that on the, the day we're leaving to go to Macedonia, to go on, go on this, uh, go on a mission trip, I think Nick and I, Nick Vitelli and I, dragged Brandon in there and going, homeboy, you paraphrase, you're messed up. Now, this is a paraphrase. And in that room, just 10 to 15 minutes before we get in a van to drive off, Brandon set, being set free of strongholds that were weighting him down in a particular areas in relationship to things that had happened prior to salvation that were affecting him, his heart now. And see, what will happen is, is that there's things that happen in an effect in our hearts. And we'll talk about that a little bit later and when we talk about how strongholds affect us. And these are things that, that uh, are not uncovered as soon as when you're saved. There's, there's conclusions in there. There's sins that you're holding on to, that you don't have revelation that are death. But God teaches us and leads us and transforms us from what? Glory to glory. And I'm going to tell you what, if you, as soon as you got saved and you dealt with all the strongholds that are in your life, dude, they would be locking you up in St. Albans. Because, I mean, you couldn't handle all the massive exposure of junk. And the other reality is this uh, dealing with strongholds, a lot of it is, is the process of renewing your mind. God's not going to come in there and vacuum suck your brain out. Because in your, in your soul is your mind and your will, both subconscious and conscience. And so in that place, God's gonna, not going to rob your will. Things that where you have chosen to hold on to, chosen to believe, and so what God does in this process, when you accept him as your Lord, as Jesus, as your Lord and Savior, there the Holy Spirit is, convicts us of righteousness, brings before us who we are in Christ Jesus, the glory of God. And there we start laying aside things that are contrary to the truth of who we are. So it's just important for us to note that lot, literally, in fact, a lot of times the strongholds we're dealing with are the things planted before salvation. Now, after salvation, unfortunately, many times we continue to add to them. I know that for Paul and I in our marriage relationship, our first night of marriage, I think Paul and I hold the Guinness World Book of Records for most strongholds established on one night. 
I mean, it was horrific, you know. It took us 10 or 15 years to deal with the strongholds, you know, to, to discover them and undo them. So, uh, you know, so I wish I could tell you that, you know, as soon as you accept Jesus, that's, oh, yeah, I'm home free. Uh, the reality is the past scripture says my people perish because of what? My people perish because of what? Lack of knowledge. And so that's what, so what we're here tonight is that you understand not how to establish them, but how to undo. It's kind of it's interesting that Beach and Tara are one of my favorite people to pick on. But it's kind of, in it one place that's very precious to me is that, you know, many times they've shared with me how they'll be riding down the road or they're laying in bed at night and all of a sudden the Lord will, will things will pop up and come to light and they pray with each other about the things that are weighting them down. And, I, and it's just, that's a beautiful thing to me. They're understanding how to minister to themselves and how to deal with things in themselves. But the cool thing is as a couple, they're ministering to one another. In fact, to me, that's the most awesome place for ministry to occur is between a husband and a wife in the bedroom. And that's awesome. Or, and so, but anyway, so, so, so that's the first principle they want to deal with. Now, there's a second thing that's very, very important that we need to deal with. And it comes out of this passage of Scripture in relationship to, to what we, we mentioned last night, in relationship to David. And it's that passage in, excuse me, in 2 Samuel 21. Now, if you'll notice this passage with me, where it talks about it, it says, let me get there. It says, now there was a famine in the days of David, for there were for three years, year after year, and David sought the presence of God. Okay, so David is king, and while David is king, notice this, that there's a famine for three years. David's king. So David seeks the, the root, what's going on with this famine. We talked about this last night. But it's important for you to note, as the Lord said to him, it was for Saul in his bloody house because he put the Gibeonites to death. Now, get this. Here we are in the reign of David, which is the spirit. It's a type of the spirit. But during the reign of Saul, which is a type of the flesh, where the... Where, uh, y'all, where, where the Ark of the Covenant, which is a type for the presence of God, never came into Jerusalem. Nowhere in that point in time did the Ark of the Covenant come. God's presence was not allowed in Jerusalem because Saul was a, a king according to the flesh. But the interesting thing, when Saul put the Gibeonites to death, this stronghold of shedding of innocent blood did not manifest itself during the reign of Saul. It manifested itself during the reign of David. And, and it's very important for us to know this because a stronghold very seldom manifests itself in the same season in which it's planted. And see, like we told last night, strongholds are one of Satan's main tactics, main weapons. The very weapons of God that we have from God are to destroy strongholds. So what Satan is not going to do, he's not going to fold his, his well-laid traps and plans in a time that you're in the flesh. Because guess what? He's already what? Caught you. And you're just creating more. But what he'll do is, is the time you're trying to come out into the Spirit and you're walking in the time of the Spirit, then he will manifest them. The most awesome example of this, <coughs> excuse me, is marriage. 
you got this point in time, marriage. And usually strongholds in relationship to sexual immorality will not manifest themselves prior to marriage. Paul and I often kid around about this. In fact, many times as we're doing marriage counseling, how that, how that before a couple is married, it's all that you can do to keep from having sex. As soon as you say, I do, it's like this switch occurs and then it becomes all you can do to have sex. And why? Because the strongholds that the enemy plants here, he comes around and he brings them up here. The picture I've got when we do marriage counseling is there's two filing cabinets. One filing cabinets of temptations and trials the enemy used before you get married. As soon as you say, I do, he shuts that drawer and he opens the other one. And Because, I mean, honestly, when Paul and I said, I do, there's things that were pushing our buttons that you're going, where did that come from? And that's why when we do marriage counseling, you know, a lot of the joke is among the people that we do it, you know, what a lot of times like Tulio and Mitch and them do the basic marriage counseling part, let the fa- lay the framework about roles of husbands and wives. And then what I'll do is if I'm marrying a couple like Brandon and Lindsay, what I'll do in that counseling over there a lot of times is what I do is try to do what? Push buttons. I mean, one night in there, I thought I had them where they weren't going to get married. It was this close. But you know what? What was I after? I was after something by the direction of the Lord, after something that I knew without a shadow of a doubt that a later time in their marriage, after they said I do, at a very convenient moment, Satan was going to bring it up. And so, y'all, we can get in this drawer over here. And I just say that to couples who are not married. You can get in the the schemes of the devil drawer over here and empty it out so that when you get married, you're going, da-da-da-da, you know. Sweet bliss, right? (laughs) Hey, it is the goal. And we we believe and we're heading that direction. And... uh, yeah, I, I want to say this commercial because I want to create hope tonight. I don't, you know, we're talking about strongholds and we don't want to weight you down because I just want you to realize the reality that you can be set free. And you can experience the fullness of God. And when you take, a cro- uh, take things off, that things flow in the power of God. I remember one time I was uh, uh, ministering to a, doing post-marital counseling. And those of you who've, who've heard me share this before, you'll remember this, but but I just think it's very appropriate at this time because of being set free and walking in the freedom of God, the blessings are in it. But I was sitting there with this couple, and, and they, this couple, these two couples, it was two couples, they didn't know each other. They had just gotten married, both of them, from different parts of the, literally married from different parts of the world, in different parts of the world. And they had come to our house, just so happened, in the same weekend. And so, being both involved in their lives, what am I going to do is I'm going to help them walk in their lives. So we sat down in the basement of our house in, in Reiner, and, uh, and I said, so, okay. I start asking the hard questions and trying to push buttons. And so I go, guys, okay, all right, tell me some of the uh, hardest issues you're dealing with. And both guys at the same time looked at me and go, well, the big problem we're dealing with is, is that our wives are wanting more sex than we can deliver. 
And at first I looked at him, and I didn't say anything. And I wanted to slap him at first. And, uh, you know, I'm going, wake up, you know. But I started talking, and what the Lord revealed was, is that here's a couple's who had allowed the Spirit of God to do awesome things in their marriage. Even to the degree that before they got married, they did not, the first time they kissed was on the night they got married. Now, just because they they didn't kiss before marriage did not automatically guarantee this success, by success, but I mean this freedom in their marriage. But... But the reality was is some things that happened in their lives where God ministered into their lives and ministered healing just set them free to flow in the fullness of God has purposed something to function. You following me? And so that's very, very important for us to understand. Two major principles I want you to understand about the timing in relationship to strongholds. One, you may have to deal with stuff that happened prior to salvation. Two, a stronghold rarely manifests itself in the same season which it plant is planted. In fact, I can I will say this to y'all. I know of some strongholds had not manifested more they manifested some thirty to forty years down the road. Because the enemy, I mean, it's like he's it's sort of like one of card game I like playing is Rook. And when you got the big dog card. You want to save it till the, the most appropriate moment that you can just cause everything to destroy. And many times that's what Satan will do. When he knows he's got the rook, he thinks is the rook, he'll save it. But here's the cool thing, y'all. He's not sovereign. We've got an almighty God that knows the thoughts and intentions of our heart. And he is Heart is more for freedom than ours is. And all he is asking is that we invite him to minister and work with our lives. And guess what? Where Satan thinks he's got the rook card, Jesus will come with the super rook card. You know, I don't know. The red rook instead of the black rook. <laughs> the red rook, the blood of Jesus. So you with me? So in relationship to when a stronghold can affect us. Now, let's go on. There's some other things that we need to to really lay before we get into the specific types of strongholds. What you need to understand is is where or literally how our strongholds come down and affect our lives. And there's two ways that it's very important for us to understand how strongholds affect us. And we'll go into details about these um, more in just a, a few minutes. But if first we're just going to use, just for ease, we're just going to use a passage of Scripture that we just used. The first way that a stronghold can affect you, and we see it evident in 2 Samuel chapter 21, is what we call corporate strongholds. Here we have David who's in the reign and is king, like we just said. There's a famine in the land of Israel. Why is there a famine in the land of Israel? Why? A corporate stronghold established by the Saul. Now, I want to remind you of this, of something very important. This this society was depended on farming and agriculture. 
Now, if there was a famine for three years, can we say many innocent people suffered? I doubt very seriously that Saul suffered, and I doubt very seriously King David suffered. If there was food to be gotten, the king got it. But who didn't get it? The people, the common person, like you or I. And so one of the things that's very serious about corporate strongholds is the innocent are the ones who suffer. James, do we have this, uh, this uh, video that I was wanting to show? There's a video I want you all to show that is really a, a phenomenal modern-day evidence of a corporate stronghold. And I'll go, we'll go into details about it a little later, how corporate strongholds are established. But I want you to understand the significance of corporate strongholds. One of the most modern, the most amazing modern-day evidences, and amazing not in a good way, but in a bad way, is the nation of Haiti. Now, I know recently there's been some controversy because Pat Robertson made a statement about this. This picture right here, this man right here, is the, Amer the Haitian ambassador to the United States. After Pratt Robertson makes his statement, he appears on MSNBC. I want you to listen to this guy's words about it because what had happened was, y'all, in the 1700s, I believe it is, I can't remember the exact date, but when the Haitian Revolution against the French, what had happened was the slaves made a pact with the devil. And it's known. And ever since that time, Haiti has been marked by poverty. In fact, it's a long Haiti sits on a long island that's cut in two. The Dominican Republic, Republic on, the, on the southeast side and Haiti on the northwest side. And they say that in an airplane, as you fly over, you can see the line between Haiti and the Dominican Republic because how the, the land has been just destroyed. But, I, you know, to show you, I want you to listen to this guy. Now, this is on a secular radio, a TV station, and they're kind of making light of this. But I want you to hear the, the Haitian ambassador's response. Whoa, where'd it go? There it is. Is it going to work? And uh, I think uh, before I say anything, I would like to address one thing that I heard tonight. Please. About how the pact with the devil made it possible for Haiti to suffer the way it is. I would like you, the whole world to know, America especially, that the independence of Haiti, when the slave rose up against the French and defeated the French army, powerful army, the U.S. was able to gain the Louisiana Territory for $15 million. That's three cents an acre. That's 13 states west of the Mississippi that the Haitian slaves revolt in Haiti provided America. Also, the revolt of the rebels in Haiti allows Latin America to be free. It's from Haiti that Simon Bolivar left with men, boats, to go deliver Grand Colombia and the rest of South America. So, what part the Haitian made with the devil has helped the United States become what it is. Mr. Ambassador, I would say that That's I have good. about as much in common uh, with...
That's kind of scary, isn't it? He didn't deny it. He's just claiming, well, Haiti's packed with the devil has made it benefit for the United States. Well, we don't claim it. But it is interesting to me, two, two areas that he mentioned was, one is Colombia, and, and we don't have to tell you what happens in Colombia. Uh, Mickey Evans, a friend of ours who went down there one time to do ministry, he goes in there in ministry and going in and out. They had to have uh, bodyguard escorts that escort him back off the plane and on the plane. And here Mickey is down there dealing Jesus. Uh, you know, the craziest, interesting to me, I say minister the Louisiana Purchase, of which New Orleans is one of the, the key spots. Well, New Orleans is one of the most high occultic areas in the United States. Was. It was. It was. <laughs> it was. But, uh, but the interesting thing is, to me, the Haitian ambassador did not deny it. He affirmed it. He decided to divert it. And so what he's describing is just literally an example of a corporate stronghold. Now, when we say corporate stronghold, a corporate stronghold can affect a family. It can affect a church. It can affect a business. It can affect a city. It can affect a state. It can affect a nation. We have an example of a nation being affected with David. And also it can affect, well, it can affect the world. In fact, to be honest with you, um, the most phenomenal corporate stronghold is Adam and Eve. <laughs> For by one man centered in the world, therefore what? Death spread to what? All men. Can't get more bigger than that. And so corporate strongholds are very real. All right, now the second area that I just want to, real quick, that how, Oh, no, no, no. Before I go on, I want to mention this real quick. Corporate strongholds, I said earlier, the innocent are the ones who usually suffer. Now think about it. How many, BJ and Terry, y'all been to Haiti? And you see the innocent living in poverty and disease. And that's the characteristics of the enemy. Uh, Robbie was just telling me tonight that uh, um, that you don't hear this on the news, but we've got a couple down there that they're real good friends with. Uh, Freeman and Shelley uh, uh, are doing ministry with YWAM in, down in Haiti right now and helping out with the, the earthquake relief. And uh, Shelley was telling Tony today that the Haitian government is calling for the, for the nation to repent. And telling all the witch doctors and the witches to throw away their practice of witchcraft. That's what Shelley and them were saying. And I don't I need, need to verify that fact. But she said that it's a wide open door in relationship to the gospel in Haiti right now. That's God causing all things to work out for good. The enemy would come to bring destruction, and God causes things for good. And it'd be interesting to see if this nation repents what happens. It will be very interesting to me. So the thing I want to say, and I keep emphasizing this, because I know of situations and circumstances that where people were being affected by things. Here they are examining things in their own lives, and they don't know what's going on. 
They're feeling things. They're experiencing things. And they're wondering what's going on. But, and they're thinking it's of themselves. But the reality is it's the strongholds that those who are authority over them have opened doorways that it's affecting them. In fact, there's one precious sister in our church who her husband had, was dealing with pornography. That she could literally tell when her husband was dealing with that temptation because all of a sudden she would feel like these, these lies of that she wasn't pretty enough or she was ugly or whatever. Uh, that's the gist of how I remembered it. it. All of a sudden it would come in on her and what would happen was the husband would pursue and open up this doorway. It would literally be a corporate stronghold. It wasn't... It was holding him in bondage, but the innocent under him were being affected. And so that's the effect of a corporate stronghold. And we'll talk a little bit more about how those can, things can be established. But I'm just emphasizing to you the innocent suffer in corporate strongholds. Right, the second way that a stronghold can affect you is individually, in your own life. And it's just used for simplicity's sake. It's just used the example that we, we mentioned earlier with Simon. Where, where Peter tells him, I see that your heart is not right with God, for you're in a gall of bitterness and a bondage of iniquity. Now, important thing to note in this, in fact, we'll talk about it more in depth later. He makes an important statement. Your heart is not right with God. So he's, he's dealing with the individual, and when we're dealing with individual strongholds, we're dealing with the person's heart, the hard drive the place of storage of conclusions, which we already mentioned last night. Now, let's focus for a few moments on how these strongholds are established. Now, we got started a little late, and I just want to go into this, make sure, because we get someplace tonight. Let's just start off about corporate strongholds. Yeah. This feels like we just got started. I haven't got very far. But let's talk. We'll talk real quick. Not talk real quick. I'm not going to rush it. But we're going to just get into about strongholds. Now, how corporate strongholds are established. Now, when we're dealing with corporate, corporate strongholds, what you have to do, you have to follow the trail of authority. Now, last night I asked you all to pray for us in the area here that we were getting together with the pastors. Well, because of the weather affecting the area of pastors, um, what we've decided to do is to put it off. And the meeting's put off to the 25th of, uh, of this month. Put it off two weeks so that we make sure that all the pastors could get in and the weather was prohibiting everybody to get together. So, but what we were, when we're considering how to deal with a corporate stronghold or how a corporate stronghold is established, you look for the trail of authority. Now think of this, why this is important. Think of the scriptural purposes of authority. There's basically six of them. And I'm just going to rattle them off. In Hebrews 13, 17, we see two mentioned where it says, Obey your leaders, submit to them as those who watch over your souls. One of the first purposes of authority is to protect. Protect. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 10 talks about a woman ought to have authority over her head because of the angels. It's authority to protect. Spiritual warfare, a woman who is uncovered, her husband's not covering her, she's wide open for demonic ons onslaught. Paul can tell easily when I'm laying down my weapons and just sort of entertaining all kind of crud. 
she'll deal with all kind of thoughts going through her head. When I'm not praying for her every night or, or every morning that she goes off to work, she can, she can tell it. And that's one of the one things is I, you know, very, I heart, very, try very hard not to send her out without having prayed over her and, and blessed her and sent her out. And during the day, I'll call her or she'll call me. I'll call her to try to check on her. So I'll know how to pray for her during the day. Protection. The other is obey your leaders. Submit to them as those who watch over your souls, as those must give an account. Authority is accountability. You know, when God, came, after Adam and Eve sinned, the first person God went to was Adam. That's who he was holding accountable for, not covering the family. So accountability. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and also 2 Corinthians 13 tells us the purpose of authority is to build up, not to tear down. 1 Corinthians, I'm not 1 Corinthians, Luke chapter uh, 10 verse 17 through 19 tells us the purpose of authority is to regulate the flow of power. Cut off the bad power, release the good. Jesus says, have I not given you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy? You remember the difference between authority and power? Authority is the right. Power is the force. I've got authority in this church. I have the authority to cut off the power to these lights. I can say, turn them off and cut the power off. Well, somebody in authority can cut off the bad power, and the goal is to release the good. When Jesus healed the Roman centurion's servant, the Roman centurion said, I too am a man under authority. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus goes, man, I have not seen a man such faith, great faith in all of Israel. The good power was released because, because of the authority, alignment of authority. So we're dealing with protection, accountability, building up, regulating the flow of power. Uh, Matthew chapter 20 tells us authority is to serve. Not to, to be served. Jesus says, The Gentiles exercise authority by lording over, but will not be so among you. Whoever wishes to be first has become a slave. Who wishes to be great becomes a servant. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's why in dwelling place we got a saying, The more authority you have, the more you have to serve. Jesus had the most authority. He died. That's why in dwelling place we don't have special parking places for staff. That's why on a Sunday morning you'll see us with the authority. We park in the, in the next county, it seems like. Because why? We, if we've got the authority, our place is to serve. And the other purpose of authority is to prove an example to those allotted to your charge. First Timothy, I mean, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3. Now, Let's think about this when we're talking about corporate strongholds. The purpose of, a court of, of authority is to protect. The purpose of authority is to regulate the flow of power. Cut off the bad, release the good. Well, let's say this. What if authority violates its authority? Like the time that uh, I have to pray to minister to a young girl who goes down to visit her dad. Uh, her parents had divorced, 
And she goes to visit her dad. Her friend, dad's friend is in the house. And there the dad allowed this, this, uh, the, his friend to rape his daughter. Can we say messed up? Major issues. But the cool thing was Jesus was able to heal her heart. But that dad was going to have to be accountable for God what he did. But the crazy thing is he opened a doorway. He took the authority that he had that was supposed to protect his daughter and opened a doorway to the enemy to come in and bring destruction to her heart. It was violated. And also, like I spoke earlier, regulate the flow of power. Like I said, Paula can tell when I am not protecting her, when I'm not praying for her. The other interesting one is I picked on Leah last night. Is Leah has been, and Mitch have been in ministry with Paul and I, you know, more than anybody it's, you know, around. I mean, some since 19, what, 91, 91, 92, Leah's been in ministry with us. They've been so, so much, that they've been connected with Paul and I. If I'm wrestling with doubt and confusion, Leah and Mitch will get screwed up. Really? And that's what, I mean, it's, it's taking years for Leah and Mitch to really start realizing. One time, Leah, we're walking through the church here, and Leah walks up and she says, Rick, I figured out my problem. And I go, really? She goes, I go, what? She goes, you. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, this is like a sister that would tell you those things. But there's truth in it. Is that as an authority, an elder in this church... I can open up doorways to affect you. We know, I know of one situation where the pastor had an affair in the church. And as a result, over half of the church ended up with marital issues of sexual immorality. So what happened was, in his sexual immorality, opened a doorway of it. And we'll go into more details about how these occur but what i just wanted to let you to know is uh, this how how a corporate strongholds get established is we have a violation of authority in it now we're going to take a we're going to take a break here but i'm going to take a few, i'd like to take a few questions before we go and now we're going to get into details how strong corporate strongholds and individual strongholds are established but i, I just want to just take a break here real quick and we did not get as far as i thought we would Diane, uh, so can I want to do is, Mark, can you run this around? Can I use this, uh, BJ's? Okay. Okay. Um, you said that. Good. And if I had this, I could probably sing. <laughs> Don't sing till we have to. Okay, go ahead. Go I'm for sorry. it. No. <laughs> you said that the authority in our life, like, can open a doorway that can affect us. So, like, um, if I'm not living with my mom, is she still an authority figure? And my father, like, in my life, if they do something that can affect me, or? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. And. 
No. Yes, they can. But there's a place, and I know this is, this is a hardcore debatable thing, but one of the things that you look in the Word of God about the difference between a child and a man or adult, and you'll see this place where people are in relationship to support. But, yes, the truth is, is that, yes, Diane, they can have an effect in open doorways. But the cool thing is you come into under a church, and guess what? We can cover the gaps. That's uh. That's where it says, that like in Ezekiel 23, 30, where I look for a man to build up a wall and stand in the gap that I should not destroy the land. What's a gap? Between what is God's will, which is in heaven, and that which is brought about on the earth. And so, Diane, I mean, it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, here you've been going through H-E-L-L in the area of these kidneys things. But where have you been? Where's Ernie and Kathy? <laughs> you've been living in, with... Now, I'm not your parents. I'm not saying anything negative, but what's happening is Ernie and Kathy has been standing in the gap in that place as you've been going that thing. And the testimony was the day. It was really cool. Diane and Kathy were sharing that here she's just gone through this series of surgery of removal of, of kidney stones. Very painful. But Kathy and Diane are sharing testimony that during this time it's been one of the biggest removal of strongholds that's occurred during this season. Is that correct? And so what's been happening is they've been standing in the gap for you and removing the, the effects of the enemy. Right? Okay, good. Hey, Rick, got a question. Um, when you brought up that example about, uh, you know, the pastor who was involved with that marital situation, it had me thinking, what if you are undercovering and you – not that example, but if you see things where you have a check in your spirit, what can you do as the individual under that if you see stuff like that under well, that covering? Can you do anything? Oh, yeah. Besides just submit? You know what I mean? No. Uh, you know, that's where, that's where Hebrews thirteen seventeen is very crucial. It says, obey your leaders. Now, I'm going to say this. The people that's been around me and been in DP for a while know the, this, but I'm going to repeat it. The Greek word for obey there is different from the Greek word where it says children obey your parents. That Greek word is hupakuo. The Greek word in Hebrews 13, 17 is the Greek word pytho, which literally means obedience based on persuasion or be persuaded. So in relationship to authority here, there's two roles. One is just be, put yourself in a place to be persuaded. Well, if I... If we do not speak the truth of God and you're not persuaded, then you've got a, you've got a choice. Because the other alternative, other, not alternative, the other thing is to submit. And submit just means order under. It's just a military term. It just means to order under. Like Mark, for example, is I'm an elder in this church and Mark is part of this church. He's just ordered under an authority in me. He's not less important. It's just the purpose of authority that I got in his life. Why? To protect him. I'm accountable for him. He's not accountable for me. I'm accountable for him. He don't have to protect me. I've got to protect him. I've got to build him up. I've got to serve him. I've got to die for him. You know, and I've got to, what did I say, serve? I've got to lead, be an example to him. He's not to be an example to me. So I've got this authority. Now, if he sees me, if he says something not, if I say something 
that he's not persuaded his truth. Now, you know this here in DP. You've got a responsibility not to go and talk to, about it to somebody else. But in love, in what? Come and what? And tell us. You know? Because precious is what? Precious is the rebuke of a, a friend. And y'all know the, the testimony that we use, and I'm sorry for being gross and using it, but, you know, if you've got a, a clinger hanging out of your nose and somebody sees it, the loving thing is to let them know. Right, Mitch? Like Mitch did for me just recently. You know, an embarrassing place. But Mitch lovingly, quietly says, hey, Rick. You know, that's love. Well, it was so, so Kent, you know, the thing is, is yeah, if, if, there, if I, we say something that's not in line with what is truth, you, you know, in love, you come and speak it and, and deal it. Now, if, if, if you're not convinced, then, you've got to, then you can take yourself out from under the authority and go put yourself under authority that you un, under. Now, I just want to warn you about something, though. Not you, Kim, but you know, as a whole. That when you start dealing with stuff, like it says in 1 Peter 5, do not rebuke an elder sharply. Whenever you start rebuking up, now because authority, judging, follows the flow of authority usually. But we do see in two places in Scripture for, for, for judging can go up in authority. Two places. Paul says, judge what I say. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. What, y'all, what does judge mean? Sort out, divide out, judge what I say. So you've got a responsibility as I'm speaking to sort out what am I saying. Is it truth or a lie? So you sort it out. The second area we see is in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, where it talks about authority, judging authority in relationship to their stewardship in which they've been entrusted. So y'all have a responsibility in dwelling place to judge the elders, Tom and I, in how we exercise the uh, administrate the uh, the resources of this body. And there's resources are two things, y'all, it's financially and people. And so, if you see us abusing the resources of which has been entrusted to us, you have a responsibility and come to us and go, "Hey, Rick, I think you're blowing it." And uh, <clears throat> just like the other day, I said to Molly, "You know, I, I just in love, I just go, Molly, if I say something to ever hurt you." I, I, and I didn't I not say this. Please, uh, you know, please, I don't care what it is. If I say something that hurts you and it does not build you up, I need to know. Where's Cindy? Cindy. The other day we're, we're hanging out, Leah and I and, and uh, Laura are hanging out with Cindy and, and we're praying. And, 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 and it's something I had said in the past. And Cindy goes, well, this is, the paraphrase is, this is how I made it. It makes... Make, it made me feel, and, and she goes, I know that's not what you thought. And, and I looked at her and I said, Cindy, what's important to me is how you feel, not how I feel, not my intentions. I learned that with my wife, Paula. She's a great teacher. Many times when I, would she'd say she was feeling something, I would logically try to tell her why she is not to feel that way. <laughs> and I learned a long time ago, a uh, pretty good while ago, that... Finally, when she says she feels something, you know what? As the authority in the home, that's all that matters to me. That's all that matters. And that's what I was trying to communicate to Cindy. She said she felt something when I said something. I don't care what my intentions were. What she was feeling was important to me. 
and then we'll make adjustments according. So in place of authority, Kevin, you know, our, our desire is in a dwelling place that the body understands we're not here to lord over, we're here to serve, we're here to build you up. And that's the purpose of authority that God's given us. If we violate that authority, and y'all, you know, we've asked, so, we've, asked, we've asked so forgiveness for so much in DP, y'all know that. How many times we stood up for forgive us, forgive us. But, you know, every relationship's got to have mercy and grace. And because uh, we screw up. But so, so, Kevin, our heart is in this place. If you see us screwing up or an authority that's in this church, well, I'm, but I mean that you would go and feel free to speak in love. Speaking the truth, what? In love. In love. So, anyway, Tom? Yeah, um, I hope I'm not going to cause any rabbit chasing here. Furby. Uh, <laughs> um, but in in, uh, in Acts chapter 8, you read that scripture where Peter was rebuking Simon. Um, and he uses this kind of, uh, kind of a harsh, or not harsh, but a difficult phrase. He says, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. And I, I, that's kind of a disturbing phrase there. Can you maybe elaborate what that might mean, if possible? Or would you rather do I, <laughs> do I have to? <laughs> notice what he notice what he tells him. I'll, I'll say this. Uh, let me get there where that passage is, and and uh, notice what he says in verse twenty-two. There, repent. Therefore, repent of this wickedness. What's the Greek word for repent mean? Huh? Another mind. It doesn't mean turn around. That's the Greek word anastrepho. The Greek word for repent is metanoia, meaning another mind. So he's talking about repent of this wickedness and pray, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. We're dealing with the deal in his heart. His, the variable is his heart changing. So if possible, be honest with you, I'll be honest with you, it flips back on him that your, your mind's going to be what? Changed. Yeah, it's his decision. So it doesn't have anything to do with the Lord, obviously. Then. Yeah, I mean, because there's really this combination here. God's holding it out and saying, okay, is, is you going to repent? You want to have another mind? You know, you know, Pete and the guys, you know, in the Regen program, they know. <laughs> you know, there's a difference between repentance and being sorry you got caught. Repent is you got another mind. Dude, I'm, man, I, I don't want this. Being sorry, he just got caught. That's just another. That's a. That's a game. A game. So, that, that's what I, I. My understand that is. Is they're dealing with this heart being changed. Is there one more question? If there's any, oh, right here. I hope this isn't a rabbit. Um, as a person in authority, as a dad who's you know screwed up and opened doors for my children, how do you shut those doors? Repent. And, and I'm not being light of that. We, we, during the Freedom Conference, we spoke intensely about where sin is what? Grace abounds all the more. One of my honest convictions is in relationship to blowing it in authority is that God's grace is more than adequate to redeem our screw-ups. Now, y'all, there are consequences to sin, but those consequences can be... Uh, the, 
sin can be forgiven. Mercy can be forgiven. But the grace of God can redeem the consequences. And, and I could tell you testimony after testimony of men of God who screwed up in their families to have God redeem it. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm a, I'm a testimony of a man who violated authority. I was an authority over a campus ministry, which a number of you in here were a part of, Eagles Nest Campus Ministry at Radford and Virginia Tech. I prematurely left that ministry and exposed a couple, about 250 college students to, the, to, to a lot of junk. When I stepped out of the way, I opened up stuff into their lives. And the cool thing to me is, now there's a number of those people, I mean, that I have gone to individually and asked for forgiveness for opening doorways in that. But y'all, I'm going to be honest with you. I left Blacksburg and Radford prematurely, or I left when I shouldn't have left. But here is the grace of God. I stand here this night as a testimony of the grace of God that God redeems the screw-ups of the past. And I say to you, John, and any other men in here that have blown it, and I want to say this, that there's a dad in here, he's breathing. At some point in time, he's what? He's blown it. And uh, I'll say this, God's grace is enough. Now, I want to remind you all something. What gives God a legal right to release grace into our lives? Huh? What is it? Basic what? Righteousness is what establishes righteousness. Faith. Faith gives God legal right to release grace into our lives. So I just speak this. Men of God, you cannot stop believing in the promises and the provisions of God to redeem. It may not occur in the first day, the second, the first week, the first year, the first decade. But I'll say this, God can redeem. God can redeem. One more question. Beth. Okay. When you realize that okay. you've opened those... Go ahead, those, say start all over. You have a well, list. when you realize you've opened those doors, don't go digging for everything you've ever done wrong. It's going to be overwhelming. Just ask God to... For his grace to lead you into whatever instead of trying to search it because it will be overwhelming. I mean, it's really cool for me with John. I'll say this. I mean, John's talking about he screwed up. Well, you know what? John went home, went to Atlanta, back to Atlanta this weekend, and I get a text message from Dan Lashaw. Dan goes, here's John in the middle of IHOP in Atlanta, Holy Ghost prayer meeting, and here John and his son Josh holding each other crying. Now, sure, a bunch of stuff happened on Sunday, but I'll just say that. That stronghold Satan's just bringing up. But I'll tell you this, that Friday night occurred. That cannot be taken from you. And so you're going to redeem it. Matt, there's some questions online. Yeah, there's a question online. Uh, how do you reverse an evil that you, maybe your parents have opened a door um, that and bring it to good when it's been over 30 years? Um, what I would like to ask, whoever asked that question, which I'm sure a bunch of people in here, if I can wait to answer that question when we talk about how corporate strongholds are established, 
Because once we talk about how they're established, then we can talk about how to undo them. Is that okay? And that'll make sense when we start talking about how to, how to reverse one. So let's just take a quick five-minute break, if you don't mind, and let's deal with this. Uh, on the table where Bev Taylor's uh, sitting, there are uh, prayer ministry sign-up forms that will ask you kind of what your availability is. And we, we pray in twos, so we'll be asking who's someone that you've been praying with or have prayed with in the past. So if, if that's something you'd like to do, we need you to fill this out. Also, I want to ask a request. Uh, if we can take up a sort of offering, I'm not willing to pass the basket, but I'm getting ready on Monday to leave to go to Serbia. And the girls who are over there ministering from Dwelling Place, uh, uh, Amy and Jesse and Bethany and Jennifer, Jennifer, Danielle is in Serbia, but they're all coming up to Serbia and, and they're running on a very, very tight budget. And, I, and we need to, and it's going to cost about 400 euros, $400, 300 to $400, about $400, 300 euros for them to come up for us to get planes, I mean not planes, but trains and their expenses, and I just really felt if it would be really cool if we could uh, cover those expenses if they come up. And so if, if God would put it on your heart to sow unto them, we need about $250, $300 left. Uh, just put it in the offering box back there. So, uh, so if y'all would. Uh, a very important question, uh, two questions that were posed. Uh, if I want to write a check to benefit the women in mission uh, and them coming together in Serbia during this next conference, uh, you may write your check to Dwelling Place. Um, if you're online, you can go on and donate uh, at DPI Ministries. If you're not familiar with Dwelling Place International Ministries, I would encourage you to go home this evening and to log on to um, dpiministries.org. I'm going to get a head nod that I said it correctly. And uh, I, I'd encourage you to subscribe. I'd encourage you to contribute. Um, I would encourage you to, to note on there that there are other uh, teachings like this strongholds teaching. You'll notice at the top of your, of your book that that is uh, volume three. I'm holding volume one. Volume two is being edited. It, um, it's called Renewing the Mind and Flesh Patterns. So uh, that's coming out. This is a, a great text. It's a text that you can work independently or in a small group. Uh, there's other items. Um, God is a Safe Place is a s series that, that many, many people have taken and um, really found some truths. Um, Satan's the ruler of this world. God is the safe place that I can go to. And so um, I just want to encourage you and encourage you in both of those points. Father, I just thank you that there's lots of um, information and there's lots of truth coming about right now. Lord, I thank you that your truth takes um, place in my heart where, there, where there's vacancy, where there's lie, that the truth comes in and, and, and takes its place and that you promise me that the truth living in my heart is going to give me life. And it's going to, going to uh, bear fruit, and, and, I, and I will walk in freedom. And so, Lord, I speak that over my brothers and sisters tonight as we, as we hear 
that we not we're not just going to be hearers; we're going to be partakers, and it's going to we're going to digest it, and we're going to attach to it, and we're going to live it. We're going to live it in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to say this real quick. Uh, we sell these books and these tapes. No, that even though that my name's on this stuff, uh, that I don't get money from that. That money will go to pay for the the printing of it. Uh, the reason why we charge people who are on night line is because to pay for the the cost of video in this. Uh, also, any money left over after the cost of production or the of uh, making of the materials uh, goes to missions. So uh, we're not in doing this to make money. Uh, I just want y'all to know that. So and. And when we charge, like in this conference, it was money was to cover the cost of this and pay for the child care workers in there. So uh, I just want y'all to know that because uh, the gospel is free. In fact, we're we're making plans to how do we do these just conferences for free, and how do we just give away the books? And so we're just looking at and praying that the Lord would show us how to do that. All right, well let's uh, let's go on. Let's then let's talk about strongholds, corporate strongholds, and how they're established. There's two ways that corporate strongholds are established. One are sinful words and other sinful actions. But it's still with sinful words. And there's two, two ways that sinful words can affect. But it reminds you that some couple of passages of Scripture, like in James, in, in, the, in the book of James, in James chapter 3, where it talks about the whole course, literally it talks about the whole course of our life is set on fire by the tongue. Or in... In Proverbs 18, the power of death and life are in the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Or in in 1 Peter chapter 3, where it says, Let him who loves life and see good days refrain his tongue from speaking evil or speaking guile. So when I take my authority that God has given me, I can affect things. I can cause things to happen, either good or bad. And one of the things when we're talking about corporate strongholds, the first way that corporate strongholds are going to occur, just like I said a while ago, a leader or someone in authority violates something with words. And one of the really key examples of this is in, I love, is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. And in 1 Thessalonians 2, 18, Paul makes an interesting statement where he said, that he wanted to come, I wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, yet Satan thwarted me. Well, this, one's, this passage amazed me for years. How could a man of God doing the will of God be hindered from Satan from doing anything? And when I started investigating the Scriptures, and I found in Acts chapter 17, where you'll notice in your, scripture, in, in your notes there, where Jason who was a leader in the church in Thessaloniki. And this is very interesting to me. Look at this little commercial here. I, I don't know if Jesse and Amy are online here tonight, but the church that we work with in Thessaloniki is, is right down the street. In my old days, a couple of years ago, I'm not, a, couple of years, a number of years ago, I could have thrown a football from where the church is to probably where this place was at the ancient city where they've unearthed in this day. You can see it's down below where they've dug it down in the where this part of the ancient city was, most likely where it was at. But what happens, this leader, Jason, 
is in the city, and Paul is preaching the gospel, and the people start coming for Paul. And notice that where the passage says, and they stirred up the crowd in the city authorities who heard these things. When they had received a pledge from Jason and the others, they released them, and the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night. So on the basis of this pledge, which Jason makes, they send Paul away. After this, Paul could not come back to Thessalonica. Satan thwarted him. Satan took this legal right of this leader of the church in Thessalonica that had an effect. The interesting thing to me is this, that the, the church that I mentioned of, Tommy Nauman, who, who came out of, uh, he planted a bunch of churches in, in Macedonia, and the Lord led him to move on down into Greece and come to Thessaloniki, a modern-day city, which, you know, the ancient city, which we go, this is the birthplace of the gospel for us. But that was a place that would, Tommy about gave up about planting a church. And one time I was preaching on strongholds, and one time in Macedonia, and Tommy was there, and he came up to me afterwards, and we talked about this, this particular thing of Jason. And Tommy and them came back into Thessaloniki, and they prayed about this thing. And today I bear testimony that the church that Tommy and them have planted is alive and well. In fact, Amy and Jesse are there today ministering the gospel. And so, I mean, a stronghold can affect centuries and hinder things from affecting. And uh, so... Uh, so a corporate stronghold can be established by the words of a leader, and it can, it can cause major effects. I know of situations in churches where leaders would go, like I know one, one Baptist church where, the, where a leader in the church goes, ah, the gifts of the Spirit won't function in this place. And boom. That very words right there would, guess what, hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit in that church as a whole. Or you may see it break out sporadically, but those words could hinder. So, the words of a leader that can create a stronghold. Now, another way that sinful words made by a corporate group. The most awesome example is where we see in Luke chapter 23 where Jesus is carrying the cross and the, these women are weeping over him and saying, you know, you know blessed is the one. You know, I can't remember what they, what they said to him, but they're weeping over Jesus. And notice what Jesus does. He, but Jesus turning to them says, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop, weep, stop, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Now, why does he say this? Don't weep for me. Weep for yourself and for your children. That's a very important statement. And notice what it says. For behold, the days are coming, and they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and the hills to cover us. Now why would Jesus say that to them? I want to present this to you, a corporate stronghold established by a group of people. Notice what happens in Matthew 27. When Pilate saw that Jesus is there before him, and with the Jews out front, and the Pharisees, and when Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, because he was wanting to release Jesus, 
But he says this, but rather than a riot was starting, he took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd saying, I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to it that yourselves. And all the people said, his blood be on us and our children. Y'all, that is a horrific confession. The blood of Jesus, the guilt of the blood of Jesus be on their heads and the heads of their children. And y'all, I want to present to you, this is the legal right for, for the nation of Israel to be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until, until the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. This legal right. Sin's just, destruction just doesn't occur, y'all. There's usually, not usually, there, my conviction, there's always some kind of legal right established in the courtroom of heaven. This confession of these corporate ascent of the people of Israel loosed on them destruction. Now, let's bring this into modern days. Y'all, elections. When we elect a public official, we make a corporate ascent to a particular candidate and we release whatever they open up into their lives. They open up into our lives. I'll never forget this, and this is a highly controversial statement. I want to, I want to, I want to tell you this. But this is this honesty. One time, I was, I was really wrestling with a particular area of, of a sin in my life, and uh, in fact, it was about me going to Big Stone Gap when I shouldn't go round two. And I was crying out to God, you know, God, what's going on? I'm just tired of all this defeat, and God revealed to me how I came there in sin after about an hour or so of praying. And, and then I'll never forget this, just out of the blue. I'm sitting there, I'm going, Lord says, you came here and you're in sin, and he revealed to me he goes, where I came in sin. And just out of the blue, I didn't even ask this. And God said, there was a particular president that was in power at that time. He said to me, very loud, I did not put president so-and-so in place. And then all of a sudden he said to me, where is the authority in the U.S. Constitution? And he just, real quick, the very first phrase of the U.S. Constitution appeared into my mind what, where the authority was. What is it? We the people of the United States of America. And God said to me, there's the authority, and whatever you approve over you is what you get. And, you know, that's why it says in 1 Timothy, pray for your leaders. And all authority that you may lead a quiet and tranquil life. Now, God gives authority. There's no authority given except by God. But here's what I want to present to you. In the United States of America, the authority to select leaders is us. And that's why every election that occurs means to be, <laughs> we need to pray. We need to fast. We need to believe God. And so, and I pray that, uh, I pray that, President Obama and the Congress does not enact laws that opens things up for us. So, uh, because, you know, we elect them, we put them there, and we give legal right to whatever, we, whatever they open up to come upon us. Now, I think there was a really good question. Well, now let me get on about the second way that a corporate stronghold can be dealt with be established, and then we'll deal with the other one. The second way, okay, no, corporate strong will be established by words, either the sinful words of a leader or a corporal ascent of a group of people. 
That's where the authority is. The second way that a corporate stronghold can be established is by the sinful actions of a leader. Notice the passage of Scripture that we mentioned earlier about Saul is a, is a phenomenal example of it where by, because Saul put the Gibeonites to death. One, another really interesting example of this, and this is also you know, this is a corporate stronghold that manifests itself in a form of a generational curse. Now, can I put a commercial in here and stop for a second? Um, there's a lot of clubs and organizations that use oaths as a form of men and women entering those organizations. Masons. And, and I, have to, I have to apologize that I, don't know, I know enough about this to be dangerous. But there, the further up that a person goes in these organizations, there are confessions, there are oaths that are made that can loosen, if anybody in there leaves the organization, it can loosen curses on the descendants. And the innocent can suffer in these. And so it is very powerful, these words of, of entering these organizations. And so you need to take these things very seriously. I want to speak on the flip side, y'all, because this is important. The blessings, and I'll talk later about this when we talk about generational curses. But I want to say this. I always want to plant the positive side on this. A corporate stronghold can be established, but guess what? A corporate blessing can be established. And I honestly believe the blessings of this nation and the reasons why this nation was is blessed like it was is because of the foundations of this country released blessings in it. And we need to treasure it. And I just had to throw that quick commercial in there, y'all. Now, but notice one of these interesting, this one in 1 Samuel 21. It's so interesting to me about Eli. Eli had these sons whom he wouldn't discipline. And notice this. It says where all of a sudden Sam, where, he, where he gets prophesied over. It says, Behold, the days are coming when I will break your Eli's strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. You will see distress in my, in the, in my dwelling in spite of the good you, that I do for Israel. An old man will not be in your house forever. Yet I will, and he goes on and talks about this thing. And literally what happens is Eli, because he did not confront his sons, loosened a generational curse on his heritage, on his race. And uh, so in other words, we're seeing one side. You're, now, y'all, this is very, very important. Hear what I'm about to say. On one side, you see a generational, uh, not generational, a corporate stronghold established by the sinful action of a leader, Saul. He put the Gibeonites to death. But there is another type of, of corporate stronghold that can be established by a leader in sinning. It's what we call a sin of omission. To him who knows to do right and does not do it, to him it is sin. Samuel says, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. Ezekiel 3.18, I say to you, son of man, to say to the wicked man to turn from his wicked ways, and you do not, his blood is on your hands. Those are sins of omission. So if we, like say, for example, Tom and I as elders fail to protect, pray for, guess what? That can create strongholds. If we fail to confront sin, Guess what? 
we open a doorway of sin and we do not confront it, guess what? We can open a doorway. And that's, and that's why, you know, sometimes that, that I can get kind of hard. It's because, one, I care about the person, but to be honest with you, also, I, that person can open doorways. A little leaven, what? Leaven's a whole loaf. And so, so when, what you deal with, so we can, we can create, a, a leader can either commit a sin of, of commission, but they can also create a sin of omission that opens doorways that affect a family. I just want to say something to men in here. Men, you know, take alert for your families. Be alert for them. You know, John, might be separate from them? You can pray for them now. I look for a man or a woman, man to stand in the gap, build up the wall, that I not destroy the land, but I found none. But guess what? You can stand in the gap. You can build up the wall. What's the wall? Job 1. Job said, Satan says to God, have you not put a hedge around Job and all that he has? Satan couldn't touch Job because of this hedge. Well, guess what we can do? We can pray a hedge of protection. You don't put that hedge, let me tell you something, y'all. Satan will come in there, think of Satan like a crocodile. And you got kids? What are you going to do? You want to protect your kids from a crocodile. You want a fence in between them and the crocodile. Put it there. Pray for them. Speak the words to them. Don't create sins of omission to open doorways of destruction for them. Pray for them. If you have not, we'll deal with that in a few minutes here about how to deal with them. Okay, so, uh, so, sinful, so sinful actions of a leader. And I gave you an example of one a while ago about a, a pastor who opened the doorway of sin of an affairs, opened the doorway to the whole, the whole church. Another one that's interesting, and I have to confess to you, I don't totally understand this one, but where I see the sinful action of an individual that violates a corporate command. The example of it is in Joshua chapter 6 and 7, where God told the children of Israel to them not to take anything from Jericho. And and the only doorway in it is, I think, is when it was a corporate command to the body, to that group. Because he told them in Joshua 6, as they're getting ready to go into Jericho, he told them, he said, don't take anything under it lest you make the nation accursed. Now, because I, I know this, if like one person in DP enters into sexual immorality and they're not a leader, that doesn't totally affect the whole body as if, say, like an elder did. But if there happens to be a corporate word from God that is spoken, like God says to the body, fast and one person does not, that could have an effect. So what I'm seeing in Scripture is is that when there's this corporate command and one person violates it, it can open a stronghold in it. Like another example of, in our families. And Paul and I, in our home, God had told us, Mike, when he was in college, he lived with us. And one of the things that we tried to establish that in our home only Jesus music would be on. Only movies that that were... that were, that were good, that did not open doorways of like horror movies or, you know, sexual immorality. And what, what would happen is, though, 
is that if any doorways got open in our home, you could feel it. In fact, Shade's got these kind of jokes at me. He talks about, what's, he, what's the term he calls it, Paula? Palantine or what? What does he call it? He just jokes about the prophetic, that where God will give you prophetic words when your kid or di- kids are dealing with something. You know, I think one girl was saying to Michelle one time, oh, I bet it's really neat having Rick as your dad. And she goes, are you kidding? Can't get by with anything. And, you know, where God will speak to you. He'll speak prophetic words to you. Because what can happen is if one of our kids start, when our kids start opening doorways, and there's a lot of spiritual warfare in our house that occurs. And when one of our kids open doorways, start entertaining something in there, it opens stuff up. And... You don't, want to happen. you don't want it to happen. It can affect the whole family. I, I, one thing I just want to put to sort of summarize something up in here, but it's really cool. I had a, a, a woman share this with me. She was sharing that, uh, it's really cool, that uh, she would have these nightmares, these particular dreams. And it was troubling her why she was having these dreams. And she said she would share the dreams with her husband, and her husband would kick and say, oh, I can't believe it. And what was happening was she would have the dreams and it would reveal a stronghold that the husband was dealing with. And I'm going, that is so cool to me. And she was all excited about how God is so faithful. You know? And so that's uh, that so cool to me, how the Lord will do that, you know, and, uh, and reveal those kind of things. Now, how do we undo these things? What you want to do is find the authority. And we're dealing with sinful words of authority or sinful, sinful actions of authority or when the group has authority, like a confession. So what you try to do is, and I'm going to be honest with you all, when in doubt, I used to have, when, I have a saying, when in doubt, repent. But now when in my older days, when I was younger, not, full, not didn't have much wisdom, I would go, when in doubt, cast it out. But that's, you know, <laughs> that was not wise. Because I cast out a many, tried to cast out many things out of things that didn't need to be cast out. And, uh, but when in doubt, repent. And that's where I go to. Confess. Like, for example, I'll give you an example of this, that what we were looking at, what I believe that the Lord may be leading us, and I keep saying that, because I don't have the authority for the body of Christ in the New River Valley and from Blacksburg and Christiansburg in relationship to the things I was telling you about last night. Um, give you an example. Uh, how to undo this. Well, the Lord was revealing to us, to me, about uh, sharing with you about things that can defile a land. One, the shedding of innocent blood. Two, the mistreatment of strangers slash slaves. You look at this under the law, and you can see this. And the other is the sexual uh, immorality can defile a land and cause a land to be defiled. So what I started doing research, I found out in 1755, the massacre, Draper's Meadow, the Meadow Massacre. Indians out of Ohio and Kentucky came into the region and killed a bunch of settlers there, where Mary Draper's Ingalls came from, where she gets carried back off. Uh, I can't remember how many men and women were killed in that. But the interesting, uh, I'll tell you all some interesting dynamics about that. But that occurred, the shedding of innocent blood. There's a marker over there by the duck pond where it was, just some two or three hundred yards from the side of, of Norris Hall. Where that, where that massacre occurred. There, there it is. And so what we were doing was praying about, oh, Lord, is there, is there a correlation between these things? Let me tell you this real quick, and, and it's kind of interesting that we may be on a trail that God's verifying that we, 
that the, the traumatic events that we've been having are real and there is a connection in the spiritual realm. When I was presenting this at VCF uh, to the pastors in there, and I mean, it kind of was crazy that because, I mean, not a, some of the pastors there had never heard stuff like that I'm talking about, strongholds and legal rights. And, but it was so cool. The grace of God was just so amazing in that. A lot of really cool discussion. But all of a sudden, they're giving me information and two things that were very real to me that may be indicators that we're on the right path about the shedding of innocent blood. One was is that when Cho was in his killing spree, the two he killed two people at you know, West AJ. During the time, a two-hour period of time between there, he went he had to go to a post office, but the main period of time that he did was, in between the killing, is he went to the memorial of the Draper Meadows Massacre. And that's why the police drained the duck pond, because they know he went to that spot before the, the second part of the massacre. The second thing was, it's interesting, when the Draper's Meadow Massacre occurred, the Indians decapitated a guy. They didn't scalp a guy. They decapitated, and they took his head around and started showing it around. The interesting thing, when the, when the Chinese student killed the Chinese girl, when the police came in, he, de- he had decapitated a girl, and he was holding the head up. And, uh, and so it was kind of interesting that these two markers that very well may be the reality of this. If this occurred, what we would do is, is look for the authority of these people whom this occurred to ask for forgiveness, to, to forgive. Because what can happen is, is that shedding of blood, really the shedding of innocent blood, when you look at it in the Word of God, it's one thing that cannot be just like wiped out. It has to be dealt with. And it's very interesting about it. You just follow the shedding of innocent blood through the law. Manasseh, uh, King Manasseh, opened a doorway that Joshua, a good king, could not overcome just because of the things he did, the shedding of innocent blood that he did in Jerusalem. So if this blood was in shed innocent on this land, there's a debt. The interesting thing, what you would look for is a family members of those people to forgive because the authority of the blood of Jesus can release and we, they can release into that the second area and the interesting thing when I was sharing this I don't want to put anybody on the spot but I was sharing this in ministry training one day before the pastor's meeting I was just trying to sound it out make sure I didn't stick my foot in my mouth and when I was sharing it with people in ministry training one of the brothers and he speaks up and he says oh, by the way uh, uh, my wife is uh, is an is a descendant of the Ingalls family that was at that massacre. I'm going, wow. And so uh, this person may or may be be one of the doorways for forgiveness to occur. The second way that we look we'd look for is in the, is that at the Smithfield plantation the mistreatment of slaves that occurred. There was a, a significant number of slaves that were kept at Smithfield plantation. And there were, we know of some things that were unjust. What, we, what needs to occur is, and we do know of the descendants of the slaves at the Smithfield Plantation, is that the people in the, the land there to ask for forgiveness for the mistreatment of those people. And so what you do is, is you look for the authorities and ask for forgiveness. You seek for forgiveness and, and confess the sins. And when 
And there, the blood of Jesus, which is more powerful than any debt, can forgiveness can occur. So what you want to do is, is find the, 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 uh, the, the trail of authority and find the authority and, and let the authority deal with it. Y'all, you, you've seen the, y'all have probably seen the transformation videos that have occurred, many of you. That when pastors with authority and would get religious leaders together and there they would repent, strongholds would be broken. And, and, and I, one beautiful one to me is that, that, that uh, place in, in Central America, that when the leaders got together and start, where it was a land of alcoholism and drugs and, and the farming industry there was just nothing. But when the leaders got together and repented for the sins of the land, it even shut down the jails, that the farm industry became to blossom. And it was kind of interesting that they would show, they literally showed pictures in the videos of the, the vegetables and stuff that were grown there, and they were oversized. And the ble- it released blessings into the land. And so what, so, I mean, in fact, we've done this many times in Dwelling Place. When we were, when we were coming together as Dwelling Place, uh, I don't know if you remember the time that we were in the middle school. Before we bought this building, before we were even thinking about this building, one Sunday night we're having a Joel meeting, and God led us to start confessing for the sins of, for for any judgments and unforgiveness that we had toward the churches that where we had come from. And as we started repenting, interesting that night, as we started repenting of, of the sins of how we came out of churches, what provided for the foundation of this church, when we did that, it was interesting to me, the very next step was God gave us the doorway to buy this building. And that was interesting, the timing of that. I could tell you all testimony after testimony that I've been involved in like a church in Texas where God had us, we birthed it out of a church in the, Paul, the church that Paul and I were called City View Baptist Church, came out of another church called Wedgwood Baptist Church. God had us go to the other church and, on a Sunday night and repent for pride and, and deal with things corporately as a group of people. So what you want to do is find out what the sin is the person's with authority in it, you ask for forgiveness. Now, I'm going to get way ahead of myself on something. When you're dealing with a generational curse, which is a type of corporate stronghold, what can happen is, I'm going to just speak this real quick, is that way you deal with it is just don't go start, I'll break this generational curse in the name of Jesus. You don't have that authority. You just go breaking it what I tell you will do is the blood of Jesus. And what releases the blood of Jesus? Confession and repentance. When you look in the Word of God and see that common denominator or confess, confess, if we confess our sins, He's what? Faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins. I speak into believers in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. So if you see sins forgiven, guess what? Blood of Jesus applied. Confession deals with it. Repent. That, that, that your sins may be forgiven and times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Acts 3.19. So what was that? Oh, okay. We're dealing with just some curses. What you want to do and what Daniel did and Zechariah did, Zechariah, 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 Nehemiah, and you'll see this in Scripture, what they would do is 
is the first thing you do if you're, you're, you're dealing with sins up, like I'm dealing with the sins, the sins of the generations before, at, before me that they have established, and they're dead. They may be dead and gone. In fact, one of the phenomenal testimonies in this church was of a, uh, of a man who was in this church and their family. Very, if I mentioned a name, you all would know him. Very prominent. But every year this man dealt with depression, manic depression. A number of the years that hit him that he had to be sent off to St. Albans. Not St. Albans. Uh, what's the one in uh, the psych hospital in, uh, in uh, Salem? Uh, Louis Gale. I mean, I visited him in Louis Gale. And, you know, we, we prayed about things that we could really, all the what we're doing. One day, Robert Mearns came to visit. And in the whole sanctuary, Robert picks this guy out and says, I see in your family line there's a curse, there's, there's a generational curse of witchcraft, like three generations back, that somebody, there was a witch, I can't remember the details of it, there was a witch in your family. And in that, I break that in the name of Jesus, and, and this brother agreed with him. And you know what? That brother does not deal with depression to this day. It's free. But how you're dealing with it is, the first thing you want to do is deal, and, and this brother had to deal with this, you deal with sin, your sins in the likeness of the curse or the offense. Because what can happen is sins, this is dealing with, I'm getting over into generational curses, y'all. That's one of the types of, Six different types of strongholds, but we're dealing with corporate strongholds, and somebody asked a question. How do you deal with it? First thing you want to do is that you want to confess the sins of your, uh, that you've committed in the likeness of the curse. Like if there's a generational curse of sexual immorality on my family line. What I want to do is first deal with my junk. Daniel said he was confessing his sins and the sins of his people. That brings up the next thing what you'll do is you confess your sins in the likeness of the curse or, the, or whatever the stronghold is, and then you confess the sins of your fathers. And that's what Dave, Daniel did. That's what Nehemiah did. They would confess their sins, and then they would sit, confess the sins of the generations before them. And so like, you know, Heavenly Father, forgive me for sexual morning in my life. Heavenly Father, I forgive. Lord, I ask for forgiveness in Jesus' name for, for, the, for the sins of my forefathers. Then what you would do once you have dealt with confession and repentance on your life and those of the forefathers, then you have the authority, whatever you loose on earth, it shall be having already been loosed in heaven. Then you go, in Jesus' name, I loosen this stronghold, I loosen this curse from this family in Jesus' name. And you can lose, and then at that time pronounce a blessing over it. So what you'll do is, in relationship to corporate strongholds, what you want to do is find the root, and then you want to deal with the root associated with it. If it's a sinful words, you deal with the words. If they're sinful actions. You deal with the actions. And I want to say this, y'all, and we'll get into this later on. Be specific. Be specific. Vague prayers do not have effect. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. It doesn't say sin like 
condition of sin. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Well, I don't know how to did it, but I didn't get where near where I was thinking I was going to get. But we didn't even get the individual strongholds, which we'll, we'll get into start tomorrow night. And then we got six different types of individual strongholds, which correlate over to corporate strongholds also. But let me just review this real quick that you know. Corporate strongholds can be established two ways. Sinful words, sinful actions. Under sinful words, you've got two ways. Words of a leader or corporate assent of a group. Sinful actions. The sins of a leader or sins of an individual with under a corporate command or admonition from God. Remember, a corporate stronghold could be a fam- in fact, a family, a church, a business, a city, a state, or a nation. Okay. Any questions? Okay. Marky, Diane, starting them all off. Um, you said like uh, breaking off a generally or loosening the generational curse. Um, you, I could do that over my whole family, but if, like, let's say my parents are still, like, you know, sinning in that area, does that, you yeah, know? Yeah, but you're I mean? dealing in relationship to you. Okay. You you cut it off from you. And see, very important thing is is what you've done is if you've asked for forgiveness in the likeness of of your of you. Um, you know, you've cut it off. You prayed and you repented on their behalf. You've cut it off. Then they're dealing with it on their own. And you've okay. cut it off. Make okay. sure you repent it, stuff. Okay. One of the most interesting things like this, I'm tell one of my wife, Paula. Uh, Paula's one of those people you don't wake up at night. You know, she's, I mean, she gets asleep and she's out. I don't know, Mike, remember, Mike don't remember this happening, but, but when we, Mike lived with us, uh, we live, our house had some furnace problems and we ended up living in the best western motel over in uh radford for about six weeks wasn't it two months six weeks six weeks (laughs) we had two hotel rooms you had (laughs) yeah and here paula's sleeping in one bed with michelle and i'm sleeping in another bed with with shay and mike was in another hotel room through the door and uh i think shay may end up sleeping over there with you some and uh but one night, I get a phone call and uh, from this guy. I'm, we're in Radford, and this guy in Virginia, at, at Blacksburg, he's going, he, you know, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. And I wake up, you know, hello? And he goes, Rick, get over here quick. Get over here quick. Listen. And you hear this, ah! you know, this shouting in the background, you know, and, you know, and this, this girl's manifesting. And he goes, Rick, get over here and help me. And I go, dude, just, I said, put up the phone up to her ear. And I start going, you know, I go, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just command the legal rights of the spirit to be revealed in Jesus' name. And so I, you hear this noise in the background. And, uh, and all of a sudden, Paula's laying in another bed. Now, this is 2 o'clock in the morning. She goes, generational curse of alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, and I go, in Jesus' name, I command the spirit of alcoholism to come to attention. Wah! You know, 
And I go, and I go, uh, you know, I go, so what did I have her do? What, what had happened was I had her confess of the sin, her participation in alcoholism, repent on behalf of her, her parents, and I go, in Jesus' name, I command the spirit to be gone. Just like that. And I go back to sleep. And so what happened, I don't know how to get in this. Oh, yeah, okay. But what happened was is she cut it off and she got set free. Now, that's gone to the extreme. And remember I said to you, just because you have a stronghold doesn't mean you have a spirit. But if you do have a spirit, you've got a stronghold. And that was dealing with a corporate stronghold. So you can cut it off, Diane. Matt's got, well, okay. Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, to what? Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. We'll get you. Uh, to, to what extent can, um, like, say, parents in a household who uh, maybe aren't welcoming the presence of God, to what extent can that cut it off from the children? And, uh, like, say, for instance, like, a child is living in a house and the child is submitting to the parents and obeying the parents. Um, I mean, to what extent can the parents basically, like, regulating the flow of God into the house affect the child's relationship with God. They can, they can affect it a lot. One way, they can, call it, they can enhance it, but they can hinder it. But the cool thing is, if that child enters a church and they operate in principles in relationship to the covering of the church, while at the same time submitting to the authority of their parents, they can have an effect on their parents, yeah. and they can grow mightily. What, what if the parents don't let the child go to church? Well, that's a whole other issue, that you pray that God will change the parent's heart. I'll give you an example of that. There was a, a girl. This is, again, this was Allison. Allison, uh, no, that's, no, that doesn't happen to Allison. But there was a girl that was in Eagle's Mess with us that her mom, she came, she got accepted. She accepted Jesus, her Lord and Savior. She was out of a, a traditional uh, denominational background. She accepted Jesus. She's reading through Scripture. She's going, where she sees to be, believe and be baptized. She wanted to get water baptized. So she came to me and says, I want to get water baptized. And I said, well, you need, it'd be a cool thing that you need to talk to your mom. Well, her mom says, under no, no, uh, under no circumstances will you get water baptized. So she comes to me and she says, um, you know, uh, my parents won't let me get baptized. And I said, I want you to go to What you want to do is submit to your parents. Because what does it say in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1? It says, wives, submit to your husbands, even if they're disobedient to the word, that they may be won by the behavior of their wives. And so what literally what happened was you try to take that principle. And I'm going to tell you this. This has happened more than once. But this one particular situation, this girl, she heard that, and she's got her heart right in relationship to her parents. She went to her parents and said, listen, Mom, Dad, I believe that I, that I should get water baptized. But if you don't want me to get water baptized, I will not get baptized now. I will submit to you and with a pure heart. The interesting thing that happened was that night, that girl's mom had a dream from the Lord laying out the doctrine of water baptism. I mean, massive revelation where the mom the next morning came to the young girl and said, listen, uh, you need to get water baptized and here's why. And when the girl told me the things that the Lord showed the mom, I'm going, dude, that is big. And, and y'all, I can tell you testimonies. In fact, we'd had college students when I was in a campus ministry where, where students would come to me. And we had this wild-eyed Holy Ghost campus ministry, and we were kind of on the edge. People thought we were cults at the beginning. You know, I mean, we're getting people 
crazily messed up on Jesus. And, uh, but parents would go, listen, we don't want you to go to that, that campus meeting. And, uh, and they would come to me, listen, listen, Rick, mom and dad want me to come to the Bible study. And I would go, you don't come. You submit to your parents. And you know what would happen every time we did that? The God would minister to the parents. That where the parents' would, heart would change. So what can happen is the kids submitting under authority can cause massive effects in the parents. I can tell you testimonies of kids, the kids submitting to the Lord and working with the Lord caused parents to be saved. One of my best friends, a guy named Jerry Reardon, got saved because of the testimony of his son going to church, and his dad made fun of him about going to church early days. Now Jerry's a deacon in a church. So powerful when you loosen the power of God in the principles of submission. Matt, you had one. Yeah, uh, Jennifer in Manassas wants to know, um, how do you determine if a corporate stronghold is from an individual uh, Glory or to God. Is that Jennifer Timmons? It is. <laughs> um, the testimony that I just shared you was Jennifer. Wow. Tell her I love her. Rick she is loves awesome. you, Jennifer. She's online. <laughs> um, you just did. Her question is, how do you determine if a corporate stronghold is from an individual or corporate? And what key questions do you ask to get to the root? Wow. Can, how can you tell whether, whether a stronghold you're dealing with is individual or corporate? Or specifically if the corporate uh, stronghold is from an individual action or from the corporate action? How can you tell the difference? One is, is once you start dealing with, well, let's put, there's a couple ways. One is, does the same, does, do you see the same, uh, you see the sin or the effect repeated from generation to generation. That's how, that'll give you a, a clue that we're dealing with a corporate stronghold, not generation, generation or more than one person. So let me put it that way. If it's a corporate stronghold like in DP, if more than one person's dealing with an issue, guess what? Most likely it's a corporate stronghold. In fact, I'll say this to you all. Sometime what will happen is, is we'll see circumstances going on in the body and... And we'll deal with, we'll go, uh-oh, we got a problem. I, I know one time in DP, we had a prophetic word, and we were seeing the spirit of, uh, what was it? Uh, what's the, one, the brother, not the son of uh, Absalom spirit? We saw an Absalom spirit manifested in DP and a number of people in the, in the body. And we're, we're seeing it more than one place. And the crazy thing was, you know where the Absalom spirit was beginning? <laughs> with us. In the leadership. And there was ways that we would open the doorway. So to answer the question, one of the ways you can tell if it's a corporate stronghold is within the group you see the repeating of the sin. If you, and just since we're in the line, when you're dealing with generational curse, which would be a corporate stronghold, if it's repeating from generation to generation. And so that's the things that you would look for is to tell whether it's corporate or individual. Like if all of a sudden I'm dealing with a particular sin in the eldership, and uh, it ain't going to do me no good to go, oh, man, this is a corporate stronghold if I'm the only one dealing with it. It's my issue. So, so that's, how, that's the one way you would look on that and see that. Okay, back there. 
regarding corporate strongholds, if you, in being developed through the shedding of innocent blood, how do we, how would we as a nation begin to repent for abortion? Very careful. I'll be honest with one, one that's one that we've, we've considered a lot, and that's what happens like at the call that where we went and participated in Washington, D.C., where there was a lot of repentance for abortion. I, I, one of my convictions is, is that the women who've had abortions have the authority to ask for forgiveness for abortion on the, on the behalf of the nation. They ask forgiveness in light of their sin, receive forgiveness for themselves, and then stand in the gap and ask for forgiveness. So, uh, Matt, and then we'll do another one. Caleb, okay, Matt. Um, Billy Ray in Big Stone Gap wants to ask, uh, if you're not walking in your gift, do you have a stronghold? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it could be something hindering that, that gift from flowing. Yes, there can be. But there can be another multitude of other reasons why that gift may not be operating. One is you haven't just received it. First Peter chapter 4, verse 11. Uh, employ the gift you have. As each one of you has received a gift, employ it, serving one another. So there is a facet of just receiving it. And there can be a bunch of other different reasons why you're not walking in that gift. But yes, there can be a stronghold. If, if leaders are not releasing it, uh, I'll be honest with you all, we just dealt with a last joy meeting. We dealt with a, we attempted to deal with a corporate stronghold in relationship to women in ministry. Uh, I don't know if you all remember me standing up and repenting on behalf of the foundation or leadership of Dwelling Place that how we did not involve women in ministry in the beginning. And I asked for forgiveness. And so, because like in Acts 1, when when the disciples were together in the upper room, who was present? Women. We're praying about the development of a fellowship in Giles County. Who's, who's we're making sure is present with us and has a voice in it? The women. So, yes, they can. We can the leaders can hinder the release of the flowing of gifts of the Spirit. Yeah, that, that brings up things right now in my mind, that we must pray about. Caleb. Okay, so... Um, Thanks, Billy Ray, for asking that question. Try to transfer this from my head to words and make it make sense. Um, <clears throat> we were talking about, like, how if you have if you have a demonic, like, oppression, you have a stronghold, but if you have a stronghold, it doesn't mean demonic oppression, but, like, how... What is the difference, like, or what is the dividing line between, like, somebody that's dealing with rebellion as a stronghold and... Like, person A has just a stronghold of rebellion, but then person B has a stronghold of rebellion, but, like, is oppressed by, like, a spirit of rebellion. Like, because I've been involved in, like, situations where this person was dealing with, like, very same, like, very similar issues, but one of them did not have the oppression and one of them did. Well, one thing is your approach in ministry is the same. Deal with the stronghold. And, And be honest with you, you know, if, if right here, if John's dealing with the stronghold of rebellion and Tom's rebelling with the stronghold of rebellion plus a demonic spirit, what the difference will be is Tom's will be more stronger. It'll be more intense. John's would be just, you see things popping up on it. That can be intense, 
but this one would be very strong. Now, if I'm ministering to both of them, the same thing. Okay. John would repent. Tom would repent. And I would pray over both of them. Lord, I just command in Jesus' name, if there's any spirit of harassing John, Heavenly Father, just command any spirit of harassing Tom, be gone. Let me try to clarify. I mean, like, not necessarily like dealing in ministry with how you deal with them differently, but why does John have... Why would it be? Why would he have that spirit and... I don't know can, who else you were using can as an I, example uh, would not. But, uh, let me, uh, tomorrow night when we start on individual strongholds, the very first subject we'll deal with, we'll deal with that question. Okay. Can we wait till tomorrow night? Sure. Okay. And I have to work. Yeah, it'll, it'll address that very issue, Caleb. <laughs> Perfect. What did he say? Oh. Yeah, it's a, I'll give you a clue. John, John 12, 4, John 13, 3, and John 13, 26, 27. It's in John 12 and John 13. Matt, did you have one, or is there another question? Okay, Chris. What is your take on the Masonic Lodge and how that can affect you generationally? Uh, what I was talking about a while ago, uh, about organizations with their confessions, it can cause serious issues. It's very serious issues, yeah. And I, I've got to do some research in that area, Chris, because people have brought that up to me, and... Uh, and I need to get their specific confession and repentance to deal with. Yeah, that's very important. Somebody had another question right over here? Great question, Chris. Um, I'm just trying to get it straight in my head. You said a, a um, individual strongholds in the heart of the person. And so is the corporate stronghold in the heart of the person? It's just they've got, they're in a place of authority. It's both, yeah. In the spirit. They've got it in their heart, and they've opened the spiritual environment up over the body to it. So, And it doesn't have to be. I'm just thinking maybe the elders or whatever. It would just take one person in there. Like the whole group doesn't have to be in agreement to necessarily set up a stronghold. It just can be in the heart of one person. That, yeah. Okay. Y'all, i, I got to speak something very carefully. But in recent years, we had a very good example of a corporate stronghold established by a sinful action of a leader. Remember years back when President Bill Clinton entered into some uncool actions? Remember the specific actions he entered into that said that they were not, quote, full actions? Well, do you remember at that same time it loosed an effect on the youth of America? Exact representation of the sin that he entered into were affecting the youth of America at that time at a degree that was just far beyond measure. When the sin of the leader entered into it, it opened a doorway on the youth of America. And so, and that was one person. But so, Matt? What key questions do you ask to get to the root? The biggest, well, we'll get to that when we start individual strongholds. But the best, y'all, I'm going to be honest, like David. David inquired of the Lord about the famine, and the Lord told him. The Word of God promises us in James chapter 1, when I was talking about trials, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously. God will tell you. He will give you wisdom. So, God will give you a dream. Right? He has to. Is there any other questions? In the back, brother. I work for a uh, Fortune 500 company. And there is a good possibility of corporate strongholds there. Wow, yeah. As one employee of that company, is there anything you can do to release that? 
be free from it. For yourself? Yeah, one thing is, is I would encourage to make sure, one, is that us individually you do not participate in sins of like it, whether in the business or outside the business. And then, to then pray for that business, that, that things would be brought to light. And uh, watch what can happen. You can pray protection for yourself and then repent of anything in relationship to yourself and then pray for things to be brought to light above you. And it can cause things to happen. It can have, cause things to happen big time. Matt? Um, there was a question from last night that I think you put off to today about uh, why does the same stronghold keep coming back? Yeah, that was a great question. Why does the same stronghold keep coming back? Let me make sure that I'm not addressing that. I, have to, I need to do what Caleb's is because when we're dealing with individual stronghold there, and I need to deal with that after I talk about how individual strongholds are established. So can you remind me about that tomorrow night? Okay. Sorry. Yes, ma'am. Um, yes. When when you have um, someone in your family, uh, a parent that's uh, demonized and that person dies, um, those Those spirits seem to be attaching to the members of the family. And um, I just need help in how to deal with this. Deal with the, yeah. Are the other, the person that died, was that at one in authority over the family? No. But she had a very strong um, she c- gained control that she didn't have through manipulation and a very strong spirit of Jezebel and um, she kept control even though I mean she didn't really have that authority but she took that authority okay um are you gonna be here all week yes i am okay because when we get into a category of sin called sins against us that can you make sure that when we deal with sins against us we bring that up okay in that in that event that you're describing sins against us is will will is appropriate for that okay okay and it's very good that's a very good question and there's some precise answers to that that's that is a great question. Common thing you see that. Any other questions before we close up? Brady? Oh, well, while you're getting there, Matt's got one. Go ahead. You can go ahead and get that to Brady. And then. Uh, can corporate strongholds be dealt with with just prayer, or is prayer and fasting needed as well? Uh, sometimes you might need to be prayer and fasting to find out what's going on. Uh, and sometimes you may need prayer and fasting to do the repentance. And remember I don't just try to break a corporate stronghold. I break it in Jesus' name. Deal with the legal rights. Repent, re- remember I said confess sins in the likeness of it. Confess sins for the, for the people in authority and then break it. So just praying and breaking it will not do it. Example, Josiah. Just praying and seeking the Lord did not deal with the corporate strongholds established by Manasseh. Ready? When a man and woman are married, are they 
They're in at that point just under the authority of the husband, or are they still each also still under the authority of uh, the parents? What, I, for this reason, a man shall what? Leave his, Leave his father and mother and what? Cleave to his wife. Shay is no longer under my authority. Now, the things that I established before Shay coming out can affect Shay. But if I enter anything now, no, it don't have an effect Shay, unless he deals with particular sins against us. And I, we'll talk about those a little later when, when we talk about that. But, uh, yeah, no, you're not. Okay, and uh, one other question. Um, so, like, the, the uh, corporate strongholds as they relate to business, um, spectrum of authority in that as well, is there different tiers of that in that, or is there just kind of whoever is the top level authority? Could be. Yeah, it'd be or is it just wherever a, you know, there's authority. Like, you know, if somebody is, you know, whatever level of management has has some level of authority, they take care of their own strongholds that are, are corporate and Under. below, and then whatever's above is can be affected upwards, but you know, as far as, you know, any level of responsibility towards that. When I was in a convenience store business, we had 18 convenience stores. What store managers in one could open up in one store did not affect the whole corporation unless we allowed certain things to happen to repeat in other places. So one store manager would affect one store. So couldn't affect every, any of the others unless we opened the doorways. Good question. But tomorrow night... Yeah, is that we're we through? Good. Not good, I mean, not good, but like good, but it's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing. Can we close off tonight praying for many? Has anybody got a report on many? Tulia? If you haven't heard anything. So, uh, y'all, uh, just be careful going home tonight. Thank the Lord that the roads are clearer than they were last night. And, uh, and we'll pray that God will bring things up, bring things to light, things that we can deal with. One of the things I, I want to ask for forgiveness for, we, we're, we're missing the opportunity to break up in the small groups and pray for things. Hopefully as we go closer, that the, we'll, we'll order the time. I just communicate to the people that are online, take advantage of those times that if you're with groups of people to pray in small groups to, to deal with issues. Don't just hear this information, y'all, and sit on it. Deal with it. Get somebody to agree with you. And so, so husbands and wives, if anything brought to light tonight, pray about it and deal with it. So, Tom, man, will you close this? Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God, for uh, just for the knowledge and wisdom that you're, we're, that we're just being privileged to be able to to receive, and uh, Lord, I just pray that it would, uh, Lord, revolutionize and transform our thinking, our processing, and Lord, our dealing with the things in our lives, and uh, Lord, I'm just grateful for it, I'm just thankful, and I just pray, Lord, for safety for everyone on the way home tonight, I just pray, God, that you would just bless and sanctify us by your loving kindness and by your, the word of your, your spirit in our hearts and in our minds. And uh, we just give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.